the first this edition of Let's Talk Kanji 101.9. The name is Amikha Mesia, you know, and Let's Talk to give you all of the social political stories and have the conversations that are needed to be heard in the national level as well as in the state level. This morning, we have a special guest in the studio, somebody I am so certain you'd want to talk to and listen to. We have the gubernatorial candidate of the PDP here with us in the studio. Before getting to all the conversations we have for him and questions, you know, we need to hear from him why he wants to be the governor, the things he wants to do, the plans he has for the country, for the state rather. Let's tell you some of the top stories we are following right now at the top of the hour. Now, um, a big story that I saw this morning that I think a lot of people need to get in line with has to be the conversation between MFLA and the withdrawal limits. Now, CBN raises weekly cash withdrawal limit to 500,000, and those opposed to the 100,000 weekly cash withdrawal limit for individuals and 1 million naira for corporate entities got a major relief yesterday. The Central Bank of Nigeria reversed its initial policy. The Apex Bank announced upward adjustments in the weekly cash withdrawal limit to 500,000 naira for individual and 5 million naira for corporate bodies. The policy shift was announced by the CBN director in charge of banking supervision department, Haruna Mustafa. The review represents about 400% increase from 100,000 naira to 1 million withdrawal limit set by the APS Bank in its December 6th circular. Right, that's one of the top stories we're following at the hour. Uh, right, because of a lack of time, we'll dive right into our conversation this morning. Fortunately for me, I have again today with me, but this time in a different capacity. The the one I like to call the angelic voice on video, Christy Palmer. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? How is the cold for you? Hi, it's crazy this morning. I almost turned back home. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cold. Ah, anyways, um, the cold would not stop us from bringing you necessary information an important conversation. Like I said earlier this Absolutely. morning, we have with us the gubernatorial candidate of the PDP. Um, yes. And, and I need to say this before we, you know, before I introduce him. The first time I heard him talk was on was you know at a debate. One of the things I was very much impressed by was the accuracy with which he gave data. Um, for somebody who is you know pretty much in love with finance and economics. I like when people speak with data when they tell us what is and what is on ground instead of giving us big ideas and telling us there's poverty, what percentages are there and what should be done. But this morning I have with me Caleb, Barrister Caleb. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Emeka. Good morning, Christy. It's a pleasure to be on this show with you. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. Um, the conversation obviously will start from very obvious but a very personal question. When people in this part of the country run for elections or run for any positions at all. The very typical one has to be you know, the presidential kind of APC where they, they have different reasons for running. The people want to know why do you think, or why, why are you vying for the office of the governor of this state? Of Plata State. Thank you, Omeka. Uh, I believe that God raises leaders in response to their cries in the hearts of the people in a particular area. And I believe that the people of Plateau State have been crying in the last seven years for a leader that will come and provide leadership to deal with the challenges of insecurity, 
the challenges of poverty and the challenges of unity and cohesion. And I believe as part of those who have been crying that God is bringing me to the leadership scene in order to provide answers to those cries, solutions to the cries of the hearts of Plato people, that I will be able to provide leadership to deal with all the challenges confronting our people in terms of insecurity, in terms of uh, poverty alleviation and prosperity, and of course in terms of restoring the spirit of brotherhood among the peoples of Plato State. You know, in your opening remarks, I'm glad you mentioned, you like summarized essentially the challenges that Nigeria as a country is facing from unemployment, insecurity, uh, poverty, which are major problems that Nigeria has you know, witnessed in recent times. So your party, the PDP, has been accused by the APC of causing the present problems. Uh, what is your take on that? How do you react to those kind of uh, uh, remarks from the APC? Well, uh, if the PDP was privileged, yes, indeed, the PDP was privileged to start this democratic dispensation in 1999, and the facts are there for verification. That at the time PDP exited the federal government in 2015, Nigeria was one of the was about the second most uh, advancing economy in Africa. Uh, the, the dollar was exchanging to about 180 naira. Today, what we have is as if there is no government. And the government the APC has run in the last seven years, what we have seen is a lawlessness in the economy, lawlessness in society, uh, reduction in, in lifespan, life expectancy, um, Nigeria became the second poverty capital of the world under the APC government. So government is a continuum. When uh, you do not build on the successes of the past, you bring a degeneration. Yes, PDP made mistakes, but I can assure you that what the APC has done in the last seven years has been a disaster. Alright, um, one of the you know, critical questions that have plagued me for a while has to be the issue of campaign rallies. People often ask, are campaign rallies a true definition reflection of people's support for a party? Just recently, the presidential of the party came to the States and we saw the mammoth crowd at the stadium. In your opinion, can we say that a campaign rally is a reflection of people's support for a party, either at the presidential or gubernatorial level? To, some, to a very large extent, yes. Uh, because when people throng out to receive a visitor, it shows some enthusiasm. It shows that there is some loyalty. It shows that there is some interest. Uh, when there is apathy and people stay back, like we saw during the flag off of the presidential rally of the plateau for the APC, it's also a statement that we are saying, you're not welcome. And so to a large extent. But we are not just resting on the crowds we saw during the rally. We are going beyond that to have town hall meetings, uh, engagements at individual levels with community leaders, uh, opinion leaders, and getting directly to the people at the grassroots.
All right, um, let's bring this conversation home. I remember as a debate you were asked, you mentioned specifically about charity plans for the state. And in your words, you said you are going to engage communities to ensure that the state is more secure. Now, for a country like Nigeria, let, let's start from the fact that we don't have state policing. In your opinion, should states have the power to control their policing? I think the conversation in America has reached the point now that nobody is uh, opposing the issue of state police like it used to be. The realities of our insecurity situation has shown that one man cannot sit in Abuja and determine this, how secure the rest of us are. The global trend is community policing, and therefore you must bring policing closer to the people. So in terms of security federalism, we cannot, but uh, that is the direction to go. That is, uh, state policing has become inevitable, and I believe that uh, one of the things my presidential candidate, Alendia Atikwa Bakar, has promised is that they will decentralize, he will decentralize the security apparatus so that governors who are called uh, chief security officers in their states will be able to have more effective control of the security assets of ground. I'm, I'm glad we, you, you were here insecurity and um, over the years we've seen how insecurity has taken center stage and unemployment is also one factor that drives you know that sector that's insecurity what would you do like what are your plans to bring more business and industry to our dear state plateau state because essentially we know plateau state as you know is the civil service state people are comfortable just being civil service civil servants do you have any plan to help you know bring more businesses essentially when people are employed it reduces the tendency of crime thank you christy uh we have a very robust economic plan uh to bring prosperity to plateau state which is uh, focused on uh, the empowerment of our youth and particularly also our women group uh, one of the key things we one of the low-hanging fruits for us on the plateau is the agricultural sector and um, by the grace of god when we come in may 29 next year of course the farming season would have kicked in and in the short term what we can do is to be able to improve on the inputs that our farmers will get both in terms of quality and quantity but beyond that in the medium term we intend to also uh, diversify on our agricultural policies bringing in more economically beneficial crops and livestock we also would be able to see how god willing will expand the agricultural calendar beyond the rainy season into irrigation we'll also be seeing the possibilities of making sure that we expand the value chain of agricultural products produced in our land that is the secret of giving employment when the value chain is expanded you're going to create more jobs and people are going to be able to engage in more economically beneficial activities that will be, bring income both for individuals their families and of course taxes for government you know, when you talk about i, I just like to drive conversation based on what you're saying so when you mention agriculture i mean farmers on the plateau have suffered a lot they've lost billions mm. for instance the blight yeah. that affected potato farmers mm. do you have 
like is there any plan to create you know like a government intervention when you come into office when for I talk, those kind of situations yes christy when i talked about uh inputs inputs is not just about fertilizer and seedlings okay. it's also about pesticides about the the the, the um uh, chemicals we need to reverse those kind of attacks on our crops. Fortunately, I come from the potato belt. I'm from Mangu, so I've been farming potatoes all my life. And it's something that I'm at home with. And uh, it's the business in which my cousins and nephews and uncles are all involved in. And you can be sure that I will passionately do everything to turn that around. All right, let's come back to education. Uh, a very interesting start shows, shows that on the plateau, we have 335,000 out-of-school children, out of the possible 950 children. So it means that more, almost half of the people on the plateau are not going to school. We've seen primary schools dilapidated, we've seen secondary school students walk around the streets many of the times, even the ones that go to school, they don't have chairs to sit. Take one example, has to be GSS now, which I served in some years ago. And a school as big as that school did not have a well-funded library. It did not have a laboratory for science students. As government, what are those things you would do, especially when you look at the fact that when it comes to education budget on the plateau, the last budget had just 10% for education. What measures will you put in place to ensure that children go to school, not just go to school, but they have facilities that is conducive for learning and teachers that are good enough to teach them? Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, um, our educational sector is, is a disaster. And one of the things we'll do as soon as we come in is to declare a state of emergency in the educational sector. I'm a beneficiary of public education, having attended a public primary school and a quasi-public uh, primary schools, which was owned by the Missions Gindry Boys Secondary School. I therefore know that uh, despite the plethora of private institutions we have, uh, which have helped to some extent, if you do not turn around the public education sector, then we're only deceiving ourselves. You see the results our children have posted in YA, we have consistently been among the last, the bottom uh, uh, six states in WAEC over the last five, six years. Uh, our situation has not improved, instead it has declined. And therefore, we need to declare an emergency. Um, again, it's not going to be rocket science. It's going to be a function of the economic turnaround so that we can have the resources to invest in the education sector. Uh, but again, we have a situation where uh, even the, the, the practitioners in the education sector at the moment uh, have a very low morale because they, they are not being paid as and when due. Um, so what we will do from the, the low-hanging fruits, we will try to boost the morale of the teachers, We'll try to also try to see how we can improve on their... Uh, I think the teaching profession is a great profession. They deserve to be encouraged. They deserve to be motivated. And when you have a motivated crop of staff in that sector, you're going to get many things done. So my duty as a leader would be to see how to find ways and means to encourage those in that sector to be able to take responsibility 
despite the crisis in the sector. And gradually we'll continue to raise the bar in terms of facilities, in terms of salaries, even in terms of curriculum. We would need to look at all the critical facets of education. But the key, the bottom line, is that there's a leader that is willing to provide leadership to turn around the sector. Okay, so now let's take it home now. Very well. When you were chairman of local government, Mountain Local Government Area, yeah. you know, there are allegations that you did not pay salaries. Yeah. Now, how do you respond to those allegations? Thank you for this opportunity, Christy, to clear this one up for all. I had an opportunity to meet with the AUT in Mangu, okay. and I think um, it was a very uh, fantastic engagement because they knew these were lives. Mm. Now, I'm glad that when I came into office in 2014, there was an ongoing verification by this order by the state government of certificates of workers in the local government where you know primary school teachers fall into that category and therefore uh, it was when the committee headed by the then permanent secretary uh, Fabian Tungu is chairman of PLASEC now uh, whenever they clear those teachers whose certificates have been certified okay mm -hmm. before they now uh, order their payment so in order to achieve that salaries were deducted at source from each local government okay. and were housed under the local government service commission. So it is a, a, a bare-faced lie to say I didn't pay salaries when I was not responsible for paying salaries. Mm -hmm. I couldn't deny what I was not responsible for when there was a committee that was handling that from the state government level. And I, these are facts you can verify. Okay. And I'm glad to say that when a backlog of teachers were cleared in Mangu, the resources available in Mangua at that point in time could not pay the salaries. But because of the concern I had for those who were cleared and for the teaching profession, I spent almost a week in jobs pleading with critical officers of the state government until I was able to get more money to pay those who had been cleared. So these are the facts. If anybody has a contrary fact, I challenge him to put it in the public domain. Thank you so much for responding. It's so when you don't talk about these issues, yeah. you really don't know the truth. That's true. So it's good to have you know avenues where you can openly discuss these issues. Absolutely. And anyone who has anything contrary to say, like you said, should bring the, uh, the facts forward. And which brings me to this question, how do you manage criticism in an era of social media where you find people making allegations against you, uh, you and your person? I mean, we've seen how the First Lady, you know, acted in one of such issues, uh, cases. But how would you respond to criticism? I think that power does not change people. It actually exposes the quality of person that you are. Okay. And um, when you have developed the virtues of tolerance, you will be able to handle criticism at any point in time. Of course, there is a scripture in Proverbs that says, answer a fool according to his foolishness. <laughs> and the next verse says, do not answer a fool according to his foolishness. Mm. So it calls for discretion. Okay. First, you have to know, evaluate the criticism. Is it true? If it is true, accept it. If it is true, could it also have been given in better circumstances? You could reach out to the person with the criticism. He said, my friend, what you said is true, but you could have said it in a different way. Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, 
I do not believe that uh, uh, criticisms are adverse. Uh, there are people, of course, who try to injure others, True. who try to destroy others. Mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, every leader must pray for a largeness of heart mm -hmm. so that those things do not become encumbrances to you as a person and they do not distract you from where you're going. Um, so for me, criticisms are welcome, uh, especially uh, genuine criticisms. Mm -hmm. But even where they are mischievous, even where they are cynical, even where they are uh, ill-intended, we will continually pray for grace mm -hmm. to respond in an appropriate manner. Because at the end of the day, even the person criticizing you is your brother or sister. True. You know that... You want to say something? Yes. Um, I wanted to ask a very important question. You were once chairman of Mali Local Government. In the past few months, there has been a lot of conversation about local government autonomy. You also mentioned how you were not in charge of paying salaries. In your opinion, should local government have an autonomy to do as they please? And secondly, um, there's all there's also criticisms about governments or governors having local government as stooges, where they just put people there to do their bidding. First, you want to become local autonomy, and if you become governor, do you think that local governments should be used as quote unquote stooges for the governor's will and capacity? Yes, thank you, Rebecca. A quick one on that. Uh, local government autonomy may be the wrong word. Okay. Local government uh, improving the capacity and effectiveness of the local government to deliver on services to the local people is an absolute necessity. There is a jurisprudential argument as to whether we have three or two tiers of government. My take is that local governments uh, should be freed from the constitution uh, so that they can operate squarely uh, at the states, you know, according to the peculiarities of the states in which they are. But if there must be a constitutional guarantee for their existence, and uh, I'm glad that I served under a governor that didn't uh, didn't play with local government funds to a very large extent. And so I believe that funding is not to allow local governments to do as they wish, mm. to do as they want. There must be a supervisory mechanism at that level. But of course, uh, I'm glad that as executive chairman of Mangu local government, I had the latitude under the governor I served, Governor David John Ajang, to be able to execute projects, uh, funds were released as soon as they came in from the federal government. Mm. I think a lot has to do with the quality of leadership at any point in time. Mm. It will determine the extent to which local governments function effectively. Mm. But there is no going back on the necessity of bringing governance closer to the people. Thank you so much. Uh, I think we should be going on a short breather. Uh, We'll be coming back. We'll be having a conversation with the PDP uh, candidate for Plante State, the gubernatorial candidate of the PDP, Barista Caleb Mutfang, here in J101.9 FM. We'll be going for a very short breather and we'll be back soon.
Welcome back, you're still on to Let's Talk on G11.9 FM. The conversation has been interesting so far. Um, I wanted to ask you, there is a very important problem currently in the States. Just last week, civil servants went on a five-day bonus drive. Many of them still complain, even down, even though the government had said they would start paying them on Monday, many still haven't gotten their alert. Do you, as a person, think that the state is capable enough to pay civil servants, especially when you consider the agreement they have signed? Now, this question is because of the fact that the state owes 200 billion naira, and according to a projection, by next year, the states will have a debt profile of 250 billion naira. Is the state capable of paying civil servants? And if you become governor, would you honor those agreements that were signed for? Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, the state, Plato State Government, by any yardstick, is capable not only of paying civil servants, but even improving on their salaries and emoluments. Uh, but when you do not give priority to financial prudence, you're going to simply run out of your financial plan. And I believe that there, is a, there has been a loss of focus, there has been a loss of priority, which has led to a, an economic situation now. I do agree that uh, we've had to go through two cycles of depression, but uh, some states that have had to, to manage better because they were more financially prudent and they kept their priorities right. And for me, payment of teacher salaries, payment of worker salaries is not an achievement, it's a duty. And uh, even God will not forgive you if you do not pay workers who have labored their wages. But of course, if you don't have the money, you can't pay. But why don't you have the money? Is it because you mismanaged what you had? Is it because you diverted it to other areas? And so we need to look at this. When I become governor, I'm going to ensure that emoluments of workers is a key priority. Uh, people, it's only people that are alive that can actually benefit from projects. So we must prioritize the issue of worker salaries. And we need to break this cycle of uh, reoccurring um, um, uh, delay, you know, in the payment of not just workers, but including pensioners. And I think that um, we need to find a way to sustain and make sure that people who labor are expecting that at the end of the day, they will get their reward. Hmm. Okay, so let's... Uh the current administration, that's the APC, the legacy project that's scattered all across the state. Do you believe in continuity? So when you come into power in 2023, is that something you'd want to look, you know, want to continue, or do you have other plans? And then secondly, the issue of the Josephine Market leasing, is it something you'd subscribe to? Very well. Uh, the issue of continuity in governance is a culture we need to imbibe. Uh, but continuity also has a context. You need to know 
uh, the legacy, the so-called legacy projects, which are now uh, matters for determination in the courts, is a is a is a concept I have not understood. I do not see the rationale, and um, it's shrouded in secrecy. And we need to be able to unravel uh, what the concept is and what are the steps, the expenses that have been made so far. Given the dispute between the contractor and the state government, it means that there is more to it than meets the eye. What I can promise Plato people that we'll get to the bottom of this and we'll take a decision that is most beneficial to the people of Plato State. On the issue of Josman Market, again, this was a needless controversy. It was, it was, it was needless because the entire process again was shrouded in, in secrecy, and you don't do projects like that. A project of that magnitude, you need to carry the people along. You need to carry stakeholders along. You need to, to open it up to international best practices. And I'm sure that Plateau State remains an enviable uh, investment destination. And when we do things right, uh, we bring global best practices to bear, then definitely Plateau State deserves a, 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 a renowned international market. And when we come into government, we're going to ensure that we do not waste time mm. in putting the, the, making sure that the, the right things are done so that Plato people can have the market again. Thank you very much, sir. So let's, before we open up the phone lines, there, there's this allegation <coughs> that the PDP will not be on the ballot. Is that true? Oh, fantastic, Christy. This is, uh, this is the argument of people who have lost hope that they can win elections. <laughs> <clears throat> so when you have people who are drowning, some of our opponents already know that they are defeated at the polls. And so the only way they can do is to try to raise fears and doubts in the hearts of loyal voters to the PDP. There is no such thing. Mm. I can tell you that all the attempts sponsored by the APC government to be able to take PDP out of the ballot have failed woefully. And I want to salute the courage of the judiciary mm. in standing up as the last hope of the common man. And I can assure all our supporters and the people of Plateau State that PDP is the safest platform for the 2023 elections. As a matter of fact, if justice is done, APC will not be on the ballot. The Labour Party will not be on the ballot. Wow. But I can guarantee you that PDP is safe and sound. All right, the phone lines are open. 081-2187-777. Again, 081-2187. 777 or 090-55666699, 090-55666699. Please call in and ask your questions if you have any, or your contributions if you have any. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook platform at JFM Journals on Facebook and Twitter. And before the calls start coming, there is an important question, and this is important for me because every government does not succeed without money for you to create projects for you to pay workers you need to have money and one of the biggest problems the Palatu state government have had in the past 78 years is its igr um, most times they are budgets and, and, and you know and proposals as oh we are going to get this amount for igr at the end of the year we see that that is 50 percent or less what are your plans to ensure that the state gets enough internal general revenue so you know to fund the projects and all of the things i used to do thank you emeka uh 
the reality of the future is that the, the fortunes that have come from oil revenue are dwindling. So you have to look at a building an economy beyond oil revenue. And that means that there must be more money into government coffers. And the only way government can generate money is when the people are prospering, when there is economic activity. And that's why I told you, starting from the agricultural sector, we would see how we can ensure that our people prosper again. You cannot tax people who are poor. You cannot tax people who are living in poverty. You can only tax people when they are doing well. And so we have a duty to create wealth in order for us to be able to bring people within the tax rate so that they can be able to pay their taxes and government revenue will increase. Uh, one clear, clear area we can do that, of course, is in the agricultural sector, in the small and medium scale sector, where we must boost again the capacity for trading. That's why our markets must function well. And then we can look at how, by God's grace, when we restore security, when we restore security in the land, our tourism sector can receive a boost and revenue can come in. Of course, we are looking at how our people and the state must benefit from the mineral activities of the plateau. And so there are many areas that we need to diversify into so that we can generate and we can create and generate wealth that will lead to government getting more revenue. But after that, you must put the right people in the right places. You must deploy technology so that uh, the process of collecting revenue is seen to be transparent, less cumbersome, and people friendly. And when you do that, I believe that there will be improvement even in the idea. Well, today we've been having, uh, we, we, have, we have the rare privilege of having the PDP gubernatorial candidate, Barista Caleb Mudfang, and we've been having, a, we're having conversations around why he deserves to be voted come 2023. Uh, this is GFM's We of Educating the Public and, you know, inspiring meaningful conversations. Let's come to legal matters now. You are a barista. And so matters of upholding the law, uh, you know, how different will you be in following court or following legal process uh, rather than executive impositions? Thank you, Christine. Uh, I'm not just a lawyer, but a consummate barman, okay. and I believe in the rule of law. It, for me, it's not, uh, um, it's not, it's not um, an option. No society makes progress without the rule of law. And uh, it must be seen from the leadership. Uh, one of the ways to bring in investment into the state is that people trust the leadership, that the leadership would always act in accordance with law. And this is the kind of thing we intend to bring to bear. All my life I've never been associated with lawlessness. And I believe that uh, what we need to do, again, sometimes, uh, how to be able to enforce the law is not just about um, raw use of power. It's about engagement. It's about enlightenment. When people see the rationale for law, they will tend to obey. Uh, but when you, you do things arbitrarily, people are also going to um, put up actions that now force a leader to begin to also react in a way that diminishes the rule of law. But one thing I can promise Plato people is that we are going to be very, very 
serious on the rule of law. We will deal with criminality adequately, but at the same time, we will be very civil and civilized in our approach to governance. Thank you very much. Right, we are taking your calls right about now. Good morning. Good morning. And our incoming government. Good morning. Good morning. This is Ishaya Ali from here. Sure, you can go uh, on your contribution, 50 seconds, please. Okay. Um, and with this, um, the person living with disability is visually impaired. And, sir, uh, I want to ask you this question. If, by God's grace, you think you are hoping for, you come into literacy, uh, what are your plans for the people living with disability? Because we are fully aware that when we uh, come out of our Mambo local government, we treat them very well. But if we come to government house, what plans do you have for us? Then secondly, what is your relationship with those that uh, you contested with them and uh, they fail the summary and you might Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Shayali. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Your name and where you calling us from, please. Thank you very much. My name is Sadiq Kumar. I'm calling from Kijiji Junction. Sadiq Kumar, your contribution is 50 seconds. Yes, I want to comment our incoming governor, Barry Kalenjukan, and the person that we have already done. Let's be already shown his leadership as the chairman of municipal government. And by his response and by his comment on radio, this shows that this is a person that is ready to bring assistance to the uh, development uh, needed. And also, according to what we just called on the people of the association to think and act. Plus, this the time for election is now, and there is no any other party. We know of classes that are bringing development that we have seen what PDP have done. Any development we have seen in classes in PDP. But the mess that we have entered in this present administration for the past seven years is the problem that we need to have to unite them and vote for Barista Khaled Wilson as governor of Lassuke and vote for President Ajiko Abubakar and vote for PDP part of our fight. Because this is the only way out for Blasute. And I will also call you on my governor to also, as he carried as he promised the people, we should fulfill the people because the people trust in him. And uh, I want to call on him, he should not disappoint the people because the people are in physical condition. They need a job like you. Right, thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Good morning. Good morning. Please do try to call us back. The numbers are 081-218-777-777 or 090-556-6699. I will let um, the barrister to respond to the first question asked. Yes, thank you, uh, Ishaya, about the issue of what are plans for people uh, who are physically challenged. Um, let me tell you that all my life I have lived, I went to secondary school in Gindri, uh, where we had a school for the blind. So we had a lot of classmates and roommates who were also blind. And we, we first of all, is the issue of attitude. 
we must have the right attitude towards them. The fact that they are physically disadvantaged does not mean that they are less human beings. We must, rec we must reckon with them as equally important human beings as we are. When the attitude is right, it will generate the needed empathy, uh, not sympathy. They don't need sympathy. Okay. What they need is empathy, that drive to be able to make life better for them. And I tell you that that is something that God has inculcated in me. And um, by the grace of God, through the Disability Commission, through the Ministry for Women uh, Affairs, and all the critical uh, MDAs, uh, channels that government can utilize, who will seek every available help to make life better. We'll also be an equal opportunity government where we'll make sure that people with disabilities are not discriminated against. We'll put them in the places where they can function best. Uh, some of them are more intelligent. Some people without eyes are more intelligent than people with eyes. We must be able to tap on those benefits that God has endowed them with. So be rest assured, Ishaya, that you are part of our plans. Our relationship with fellow contestants, I don't need to flog this. This is obvious for most people to see, particularly within the PDP. Not only have I reached out, I'm glad to say that they have responded well. Um, many of them, when I'm going somewhere, you see some of them in my entourage. Some of them stand on our behalf in respective places, and we're doing fantastically well. Um, Umar, thank you for your uh, commendations. I must admit here to the people of Plateau State, PDP is not perfect. PDP has missed some opportunities. I keep saying this, that PDP is the proverbial first wife in whom the husband was disappointed. And uh, when he married the second wife, which is the APC, she came and not only beat him and slapped him and disgraced him thoroughly. And uh, when that kind of situation happens, you will look back for the first wife. Let me apologize for all the mistakes we have made in the PDP, and I can guarantee you, give us another chance, and we will not disappoint you. All right, let's begin your calls this morning. 81 Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Your name, whenever you call us from. All right, Gufuan, go ahead with your question or your contribution. Hello, thank you for giving the house, uh, Mr. Alex. Thank you, Gufuan, go on. Uh, I think I've listened to the very, 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 and I think you speak the mind of plastic uh, people. But I just have some things to start. Yes, please bring them on. Uh, you know, the slogan of plastic is uh, home of peace. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, but when you look at the way that I say, you know what I'm saying? And even if it does, it's not what we expected. So if you, if you come to power, come to the city, what are your plans to get politics back? Then, true, the issue of uh, payment of salary of black workers, it has been that uh, 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 I don't know. All the technicians, technicians, in their second tenure, several of the senior officials, the senior officials, most of the people in their tenure is about the last year. So, what are your means of getting the funds to make sure that the only thing you see in your own government is not the same? 
thank you, uh, Bufuan. Um, can I take this on? Yes, you can. Good. The issue of peace I've dealt with uh, previously. Um, again, uh, peace has many components. One is that the leader must be trusted. And I'm doing everything to ensure that people of Plateau State trust me, not only as a candidate, but by the grace of God, when I become governor, I'm also going to take steps that will earn me the respect and trust of the people of Plateau State. What will I do? I will ensure that there's equity, there's justice, there's fairness, there's inclusion. And with that, we can be able to deal with all the negative manifestations that divide us. And people will know that when you do wrong, you will be punished. Where you do right, you will be commended. And that I will be there for everybody. Uh, and I believe that when we do that, uh, people will come on board to ensure that we bring our collective energies into ensuring that there is peace in our communities. Because once we lead from the front, of course, we are going to deploy all the resources to deal with aspects of criminality. Uh, that disturb our peace. The issue of salaries I've dealt with. Uh, I think uh, we must break this reoccurring salary uh, cycle of um, uh, lack of payment of salaries, particularly during the second tenure of a governor. Gufwan, um, it looks like you're prophesying that I will not only be governor, but I'll be governor for two terms. <laughs> and if I do, and when I do, I can assure you that we'll break this vicious cycle. All right. Let me quickly just add, um, since we're talking about the civil service, will you keep the call? Yes, hello, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Greg. Thank you, good morning. Hello, are you there? We lost the call. Unfortunately, we lost the call. Please, can still call us on 081-218-7777. Good morning. Hello? Hello, good morning. Thank you, Rashidat. I'm not an aspirant, I'm a candidate. Thank you, uh, Rashidat. Uh, these are the values and virtues we've lost. I want to salute all the so-called non-indigenous of Plato that have contributed in the development of Plato. We have some very prominent Yoruba families that have done us well here, the Onibin days, the Olagbe Miros, and all those families, the Igbos, the Urobos, and all people from different nationalities that have added value to life on the plateau. Let me assure you, Rashid, that, that plateau will become the true home of, of, of everybody in Nigeria. By the grace of God, we will ensure that uh, those who love plateau, that they are actually recognized and respected. Let me just quickly take you back to civil service. Let me ask you this. Is payment of salaries an achievement, really? And then secondly, what are your plans uh, for the Plateau State Civil Service as in terms of you know, staff welfare, training and retraining and motivation?
Thank you. I've dealt with this question before, um, uh, Christine. Um, I've said it point blank everywhere. Payment of salaries can never be an achievement. I believe what the Bible says that a, a laborer deserves his wages. So it's, it's a duty. It's a duty that must be discharged. Um, again, I'm committed not only to payment of salaries, but even improvement in salaries, improvement in the work environment. Uh, yes, the civil service needs a lot of overhaul. It's the engine room of government. You can't do without it. So you need to bring the civil service to international standards. Uh, you need to, to, to... When I go to some offices and I see people typing with uh, manual typewriters, uh, <laughs> even, even electric typewriters, we've gone past that. Uh, we've got to bring in technology into government. E-governance is the way to go. And therefore, we must be able to bring in the younger generation. Um, as much as possible, we'll bring in the younger generation. I love to have a team of young, energetic, intelligent, uh, um, um, technology-driven young people who can be able to bring to bear their expertise on governance. And this is the direction we'll go by the grace of God. Of course, the elderly ones, we're not going to just ship them out. We're making sure that uh, we improve on their own um, experiences so that even when they retire, mm. they can be beneficial to themselves, to their families, and to society. I like the fact that you like to cover all angles. You, you don't leave any stone unturned. By God's grace, we'll ensure that. It's <laughs> because of um, want of time, we have more questions. But unfortunately, we have to take some of your questions on Facebook. Fortunately for you, however. Um, yeah, Daphne's young Joseph says, Good morning, Rebecca and Christy, and a special morning to our incoming governor by the special grace of God. Sir, listening to you this morning gives me hope and assurance that you are the right man for the job. I pray you hold on to all the promises made to Plateau people this day. And please never forget what is boldly written in BSS Assembly Hall that whatever a man sows, that must hear it. Leave Plateau with the light and truth. You were trained for God bless Plato. Also here, boy kiss Daniel Nimland says, What does your guest have for entertainment? That is my sector. Ah, interesting. <laughs> I like you. Like they say, politics about interest. Um, and you will answer that question before we leave the studio. Um, Comrade Michael says, Good morning to JFM and good morning to my political principal, the incoming governor Honorable Caleb. May God Almighty bless you with more wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Um, he also says here, God bring you to salvage Platerians and the mandate is a short game. You've all the, you have all the solutions to Platy problems. We don't sell fraudulent failed candidates. Joseph God says, Platy says in a state of grace. So we need a God-fearing person. So it is my prayer that you do what you said. And finally here, Danjuma Banaba says, good morning, Nebeka. Um, it's nice. Chris not having a nice studio today. Can, um, in the studio, campaign based on issues, not based on the mistakes others have done. Away from the blame game and on to the right things. Wish you good luck on your aspirations, Barrister. That's about how much comments we can take on Facebook. So in 30 seconds, somebody asks about your plans for entertainment. Thank you. Uh, I don't remember the name who asked that question. Um, I'm glad as this very morning I can tell you with all boldness that I just gave some good financial assistance to 
uh, a group of young plateau people who are doing a production right now. Uh, that is the kind of interest we have in the entertainment industry. Uh, it's, it's, it's a multi-billion naira industry, uh, which is business driven. And we are going to ensure that our young people on the plateau are brought into that uh, business, uh, into that business opportunity. So we will create the environment for the entertainment industry to flourish on the plateau. Um, fortunately, we have some facilities we can improve upon. And even the National Film uh, College, there was a plan to build a, a film village on the plateau. Yes. These are things we are going to engage the private sector to ensure that it is accomplished. But beyond that, there will be adequate training and exposure. Sponsorships, we will look for the, those opportunities for our young men and women to get into that. Of course, the other thing that will interest our young people is the ICT. We want to build capacity in that sector so that uh, Plateau becomes an ICT hub. We are looking at all the modalities to ensure that that happens. Um, thank you for all your prayers. Uh, my fellow GOSA member, I can assure you that we will try to uphold the tenets of light and truth and make sure that we keep to our promises. But let me sound a note of caution. Somebody said I have all the solutions. No, that's not true. <laughs> I must be humble enough to know that we'll find the solutions together. Yeah. Uh, all I will do is to create an enabling environment for people to bring ideas to bear. I am not, I am not, uh, I'm not intimidated by superior ideas. I love them. And so I'll create the enabling environment for people who have something to bring to the table to ensure that they bring, especially our brothers and sisters in diaspora, will give them an opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. This is the size of Let's Talk today, 22nd day of December 2022. We've had an amazing guest, and he has reeled out what he has planned for people on the platform. Like we always say, making decisions is based on information. And from this information you heard, I hope you go out there next year, come election time, and make the right decision. For me, Emeka Messi, stay out of trouble and spread love. Christy. And for me, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Part of what we do is try to, you know, answer some of those questions out there where people don't have the answers to. And bringing you here to talk on these very important issues is part of why we're here. So thank you so much for honoring the invitation. And it's an honor to have had this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you, Christy and Emeka. Thank you, people of Plateau State. Keep a date with us. Thank you so much.